If you're like me and have found this pandemic and its many, many lockdowns to be the perfect time to dive headfirst into film photography, or maybe you've been shooting films since before it was cool, back when freedom was legal, you've probably explored the multitude of ways to convert your analog shots to digital. Having extensively tested the flatbed method to a frustrating and fruitless end, I was keen to switch to the camera plus macro lens method that's been recommended to me by so many photographers, both on and off of the podcast. After scouring the market, I discovered a fantastic multi-format, high-quality, cost-effective solution for securing my film and diffusing the light underneath it, allowing me to photograph it effectively. Its frame, range of interchangeable gates, and light diffuser make it possible to digitally photograph your film quickly and most importantly to me, to a high standard. It allows you to scan 35mm, 120 and even 4x5. Visit pixel-later.com, that's P-I-X-L-L-A-T-R.com to find out more and get your own. Also check them out on Instagram, tell them that I sent you and a massive thanks to Pixelator for supporting the podcast. This is quite interesting because normally I would approach from the point of view of you being a photographer and we're going to kind of get to that at some point. Or if you're a model, I would approach from the point of view of you being a model, but I actually want to start off talking about ballet, if that's all right with you, and just how you first found course, ballet yeah. and, and what made you want to... Is it something that was in the family? Is it, is it something that you just found as a little kid and you wanted to go with? What made you find ballet? Well, actually, um, n- there's no ballet really in my family. My mom was a gymnast and my dad um, did wrestling in high school. So... Um, yeah, it wasn't that, but, um, my best friend, Kaylee, who I've known my whole life, she was, when I was about seven years old, she was hanging out at my house and her mom came to pick her up and said, Hey, um, I'm going to take her to a ballet class. Does McKinsey want to come along? And my mom was like, Oh yeah, sure. You know? So I put on like some like t-shirt and shorts, socks, didn't have any ballet clothes, ballet shoes, anything. And took my first ballet class. And I was like in love with it from then. And I just kind of kept with it and yeah, it's kind of crazy like how it ended up that way. But <laughs> I feel like ballet is something that gets from, from an outside perspective, it gets a little bit of a, um, a bad rap in the sense that um, I don't know about, obviously I'm not in Texas, I'm not in America, but in England, especially mm-hmm. it's quite ironic with, with football or soccer that if you have someone that, that sort of feigns injury or throws himself to the floor quite often, you get this sort of you get this dismissive comment about you know being a ballerina, and in actual fact, to be a ballerina would take significantly more physical toughness and mental toughness than to act that way. Why do you think that ballet has got this sort of perceived idea of it being soft compared to you know other physical activities? Because I think most of us know right. the damage that that ballet can do to you and the, the amount of exhaustion and physical mm-hmm. difficulties you have to go through to do it. Why, why do you think it's got that perception? I think because ballet is supposed to look effortless. So I think when someone who doesn't know much about it watches it, they're like, Oh, well, yeah, I, that's, that looks easy, you know? <laughs> and that's what makes it so hard. And, um, you know, people go through like really, really rigorous training. Like a lot of, um, a lot of ballet dancers train privately when they're growing up. Um, which I did for a few years before coming to Houston. Um, and that's like super intense and people just like, I guess don't know if you're not really like interested in the ballet world. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of an easy answer, but 
Um, if you're doing it well, it looks effortless. So I guess people don't really understand like, oh, well, you got injured. Like, yeah, I guess it doesn't make sense. Well, what, you know, let's, let's educate people a little bit here. What are the, the physical demands of doing something like ballet? Because one thing I do know for sure from just being in the world of photography is that there's an awful lot of models, mostly female, that do really bad point work to look like they're, they're doing ballet, but they don't know how to do point work properly. And even from my layman perspective, I can see that it's not quite right. Right. What are the physical endurances that you have to go through um, to do ballet? I mean, well, first of all, it's important to start early and people, you know, people have started like in their late teens and stuff and are successful. But for me personally, I started when I was seven. And from that moment, you are literally reshaping your body and reshaping how it moves and telling it how it should move. Um, and you're building your stamina while also building your strength and your flexibility, which is hard to have kind of all three of those things and making your body look a certain way. And I do think that at least in the U S um, more recently that, the shape of your body is less important in ballet than it used to be, which I'm really happy about. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, a lot of ballet dancers go through like eating disorders and being really depressed and not confident in how they look. Um, but that, that mental toughness side of it, is that for you, for you or from what you've seen, is that something that's actually more difficult than the physical side? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I have definitely gone through, my own like personal things with ballet. And I think everyone does at a certain point. Um, so I think because the physical aspect is so demanding and you're always comparing yourself to yourself, you're always trying to be better and better and better because you're never going to be perfect in ballet. Um, that kind of takes a toll mentally, mm -hmm. um, and try and like overcoming that is, something that you have to do to be successful sometimes because like, at least for me, like I realized because I was so obsessed with how I looked all the time that I wasn't actually moving forward. I wasn't actually progressing in myself as like an artist. Um, and I think, I think that's really important in ballet. And I think that's kind of where my self portraiture actually helped me a lot to like see what I actually looked like and that it wasn't actually so bad. <laughs> well, let's talk about combining obviously the, the discipline of, of dancing with then working with photographers, because the first thing that would mm -hmm. jump out at me and I've only photographed dance a couple of times, incredibly unsuccessfully. The, the main issue that I noticed and I, I can only imagine is exacerbated more and more, the more technical it becomes is timing. Because the photographer really needs to understand right. what it is that is the peak of the movement to be able to get the photo at the mm -hmm. right time. So there's a huge amount of, I imagine for you, there's got, a, there's got to be a lot of practice runs that are probably quite arduous and, uh, as we would say in England, knackering, like very tiring, mm -hmm. for you to get to the point where the timing's right. Is that something that's fun or, in my opinion, I feel like it must be just incredibly frustrating? Right. Well... I guess when I first started working with photographers, um, it was normally ballet photographers. So they kind of knew a lot about ballet already and knew how to catch a position. Um, so that I don't remember any moments being like, 
oh, I, I don't, I'm like too tired to keep doing this same pose. Like normally the people I've worked with have been able to get it within, you know, a reasonable amount of time. Thank goodness. And, um, <laughs> they're normally really, um, like everyone I've worked with has always been really, um, nice about like, if you're tired, please let me know. Like, I don't do anything that you're going to hurt yourself. Cause obviously like if I get hurt in a photo shoot and then can't do my job, it's their fault sort of, and my fault too. But you know, they don't want to be the one sort of responsible for making me do something that I got too tired to do. Um, and that was, that was how I started first working with photographers, um, is doing ballet photo shoots. Um, and after a while they kind of all started to feel the same. So I kind of, I said to one photographer, like, Hey, do you mind if I'm just like not a ballet dancer in your photo shoot? <laughs> like I can do things that are movement related, but I just, I don't want to be like in downtown Houston in a tutu again, like I've done this too many <laughs> times and I can't figure out anything creative to do. And I wanted to do more than just being a ballet dancer. I wanted to be more than a ballet dancer. So that's kind of when I started to realize that I think. So previous to you doing those first couple of shoots from the point of view of, of someone involved with ballet photographing you, did you have, like aspirations to get in front of a camera before that? Honestly, since I was little, I like to be in front of the camera. I mean, I already was used to being on stage, but I would ask my dad like, Hey, can we go somewhere and go do a photo shoot, do a ballet photo shoot? And my dad would take photos. I mean, he wasn't a photographer or anything, but you know, that was like something that I enjoyed doing. So I kind of always liked being in front of the camera or like, for Easter, we would like curl our hair to go to church. And I would be like, mom, can you just take a picture for me, please? You know, <laughs> like, I just, I don't know, maybe that's super narcissistic and vain of me, but I've always like felt comfortable in front of a camera, I think. Well, I feel like there's got to be a certain amount of vanity regardless. Um, and not yeah. necessarily in a bad, <laughs> it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's, um, mm -hmm. I think growing up for, for a lot of people, like for me, I kind of became very aware of what I looked like very early on. So I wasn't particularly keen on being in front of a camera, but I think people that don't look like characters from Lord of the Rings are probably more than happy to be in front of the, in front of the camera. Um, your first shoot. Oh, come on, you do great. <laughs> <laughs> your, your first shoot, the first time that you were in front of the camera and it was a photographer, not, you know, someone with a camera, but a photographer. What, what was that experience like? I'm trying to remember what my first photo shoot even was. Well, it couldn't have been that bad if you can't even remember it. So that's a good thing. I d yeah, I feel like it was pretty normal. I, I did what I knew how to do, which was ballet. And he had an idea already of like what kind of outfits I had. I wore the one I'm the photo shoot I'm thinking of. I wore this like long red dress, like ballet type dress. And we took photos in this little like park that we have in Houston it was beautiful. Like the photos came out really good. And I, yeah, I basically just did what I knew how to do. Um, and he knew when to take the photo and that was that. And yeah, that's kind of how the first, you know, first few photo shoots kind of went because I wasn't, I mean, I was interested in making beautiful photographs, but I think my artistic vision and like what I actually wanted to create definitely developed from there like it's so different now than it was I mean I guess that was probably six years ago now at this point because I think when I first started doing ballet photo shoots I had just moved to Houston so well you say things have changed and and I'm, I'm assuming you mean in terms of 
what it is that you want to be getting from from the shoots and the styles that you're doing where mm-hmm. where is it now now i think it's i just want to make something that has purpose um i think that's the the most important thing in a photo to me is purpose and making someone feel something from looking at it um and i've always been really inspired by cool shapes and i guess to a certain extent most photographers are interested by cool shapes but um just there's something so satisfying when you are moving in a photo and it just looks right you know it's so satisfying so i think that's um that's my main focus and because it's so broad it, it i feel like it's been able to create an array of different different outcomes and and in the build up to to what you're doing and i guess even with the last year that we've had where a lot of people have had downtime to kind of sort of work out next steps and mm-hmm. maybe maybe not with quite the accuracy in terms of when you'd actually get back to being able to do stuff but you know the, the such is the last year that we've had um do you have like potential projects or even like long-term collaborations maybe the idea of doing something that is a bigger body of work than than individual images do you have do you have projects like that in mind I mean, of course, the goal is to have, you know, a book or, you know, a bigger following or I mean, not even a bigger following, but just like a bigger impact on people. Um, But I I really just take it day by day. And like right now, it's just if I'm feeling in the mood to take a photograph, if an idea pops in my head, like that's that's how I get my images. I'm not like someone who pre plans my photos or anything. I just have an idea and that's what I do. Um, and right now it's kind of just my way of escaping reality, the reality we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of why I started with the self portraits originally. Let's talk about the self portraits for a bit because okay. <laughs> to be honest with you, obviously having, having spoken to Carl, who you've worked with a couple of occasions, um, at least mm-hmm. to, to my knowledge, um, and having edited, his YouTube video, which, which, um, featured yourself as the model. I've, I've followed yeah. you quite, you know, through social media, the way that people do. Um, but when I saw that you were doing self portraits, that was kind of the trigger point where I was like, this is, this is a really cool idea to have you on because we can talk about things from different perspectives. Being photographed by someone else is, is a big trust moment because no matter how, especially Absolutely. I guess with something as technical as ballet, but even just in terms of your own self image, you're giving over a lot of power to someone else and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then most photographers most don't do self-portraits in a serious sense they might take pictures on their phone or whatever but they don't do portraits of themselves in a serious sense you are taking self-portraits and i believe on film so let's talk about how that started what made you want to do that and why are you shooting on film well i guess i should start off with you know beginning of the pandemic i got myself a digital camera and started taking self-portraits and i did love you know, how they ended up, but it it took a lot of editing and, you know, that whole thing. Um, and then I had been actually planning to shoot with Carl for a long time and we, you know, never made ends meet, I guess. And eventually we ended up shooting together. We, um, shot in Galveston, which is like the beach in Houston. And we were wrapping up the shoot and I was like, I'm so interested in shooting film. I just have no idea where I would start. And he was like, Oh, uh, come borrow my contacts T2. It's the best point and shoot <laughs> there is. 
Um, and I was like, Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. You know, we, we left the shoot and I, you know, I was kind of like, Oh, that was nice of him to offer him me to borrow the camera. But you know, I wasn't like actually thinking that I was going to be borrowing his camera. And I guess like a week later, he texted me and was like, hello, are you coming to get the camera? And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I still have it. So <laughs> that was, you know, eight, nine months ago. Um, and I'm still borrowing it from him because I've tried to give it back a million times. And he's like, no, 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 just keep it. Just, you know, keep using it. Um, and so I guess that's kind of how I started actually shooting on film. And I had no idea what I was doing, but at least it's a point and shoot. It does everything for you. Um, so that was kind of like, it seemed hard at the time, but now I'm like, that's my go-to camera just to pick up and I don't have to think about anything really. I just take the photo and it makes it look good. Right. Um, shortly after that, I got a little Olympus SLR camera and, um, started using that for self-portraits. Um, and of course for me, the, the hard part was not seeing it right away and not getting that. Um, it was a delayed gratification, you know, and it took longer to correct myself. Whereas like if I was shooting on digital, I would start off doing something stupid and then eventually it would turn (laughs) out looking good because I could see it and correct myself. And then shooting on film, I would get the photos back three weeks later and be like, well, that looked like horrible. (laughs) So I need to try again, you know? Um, so it's been like a slower process in that sense, but I just think the outcome of film and just how it looks is so much more interesting than shooting on digital. And now I haven't picked up my digital camera for months. So. Well, something that a lot of photographers tend to focus on, and I actually think it's a bit of a stumbling block. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, you know, I, I know it's 2021 and we don't want to say something that's going to go the wrong way, but it definitely seems to be a male trait is being very gear centric, very focused on, on the equipment or focused on, mm. on settings. Um, and especially when it comes to photographing people, you, you do have to right. give a certain degree of energy to the subject because they need some sort of reciprocal energy. Like I said earlier, there's a trust issue there and you've got to be able to mm-hmm. communicate what it is that you're looking for from them. When you're photographing yourself and especially on, on film, what's your, the, the key component that you're trying to bring to it? Is it like expression? You mentioned shape earlier. What, what's the main thing that you, you want to be focusing on? I think when I started doing self-portraits, it was more a shape interested thing. Um, and then as I, ran out of shapes to make, I realized that it needed to be more than that. So now I'm, I'm focusing mostly on emotion and just being expressive and, you know, making a photo that says something while still maybe making a cool shape. I don't know. Um, there are so many photos that I've taken that I've never seen the light of day because who knows what was going on that day with me. But, um, yeah, it, it, and you mentioned like trust with a photographer and stuff like Um, I've had moments where I'm literally in my apartment by myself and I feel insecure in front of the camera. And I'm like, there's nobody here and no one is going to see these photos if I don't want them to like, why, why do I feel like this? So then I think having that thought made me realize that like everything is in my head. Like, even if I do feel uncomfortable in front of the camera with a photographer in the room, it probably has nothing to do with the photographer. It has everything to do with me and myself personally and my own personal journey. 
Um, so I, I, yeah, I think it's actually like helped me mentally a lot to like unpack <laughs> some stuff. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, the trust dynamic is, is interesting because it doesn't just because I'm doing self-portrait doesn't mean that I even fully trust myself. So. Well, how much has being the photographer and the subject at the same time informed you for the next time you're in front of someone else's camera? Have you learned things about yourself that you can apply when someone else is photographing you? Yeah, I think I definitely um, figured out what my what what my strengths were because I could see like if, if I would try something and it wouldn't work, you know. Um, but I also think the dynamic is so different that I, I don't even feel like it's the same thing. Right. If that makes any sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, How to use it? Not the same thing. What's the big difference? The big difference for me is, you know, when I'm taking self portraits, I have full responsibility for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, creative direction, styling, like where I put the camera, where, how I pose, like everything. Um, and I knew that in that, in a self-portrait way, I could do whatever I wanted. And I didn't have to feel like I was taking away from someone else's creative vision. When I'm working with a photographer, I, I am, I'm not just a model, but I'm there to make their creative vision sort of come true. And of course it's a collaboration. So they're, they're helping me also come, you know, come out with what I, I want to say too. So it's, it's just more complicated, I guess, for the photographer because um, I never want to take over completely what they want to do. I'm never going to say, go stand over there and take a photo of me, or I want to do, or, you know, I, I need the photo to look exactly like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they kind of, of course are the same to me. Like they, they don't want to tell me, Oh, put your arm exactly there and do exactly this, you know? So the collaborative part of it is, it's so different from taking self portraits. Cause yeah, I have no one telling me what to do in self portraits. It's, it's all on me. Well, it's interesting because what you, what you're kind of referring to there, that power dynamic where it's, it's a very strange trade-off and it's, it's an interesting negotiation that you never really speak about. But how much of, you know, your identity takes over another person's, you know, the way that they work and their identity and image is interesting. Because really, when you get those collaborations, it's, it's fun to see how two people that have sort of specific styles or specific looks, sort of how they, how they crash into each other and what comes from that. Because really, you're trying mm-hmm. to get something completely different for both, but that retains elements from each. It's, it's a very bizarre process. and. I've certainly been in situations where I feel like someone has come to be photographed and, and I'm photographing them and they want to remove my identity from what I'm doing and right. make, make it the way that they are used to, to being photographed or being seen or, or anything like that, or even just being directed. And, and conversely, right. I'm, I'm sure I've been in situations where I've not seen the, the upsides to a potential idea and I've probably... I would definitely say unintentionally, but I have, I've almost definitely made someone feel like I'm trying to remove their identity from, from mm. what they're putting in. Mm-hmm. That whole side of it is just, is, is really fascinating. And I really think that's where, where the fun stuff comes in. And it's interesting when you get people that maybe don't get along 
perfectly they don't click straight away but they produce really good photos or that i've had situations where i've i've really got on with people clicked really well but just it's almost too safe it's too easy and we don't we don't right. sort of bounce off each other if i could mm-hmm. ask you a, a, a bit of a broad question i apologize for this but what from from now your more broad experience from being on both sides of things and and also being able to see yourself as a subject what things can a photographer do to make things easier for you Oh my gosh, that's a hard question. Yeah, I, I apologize. Uh, I feel like I've, <laughs> I feel like I've worked with like great people. You know, like I, I feel like I've always felt comfortable in front of the camera for the most part. Um, I guess one one weird example was like I guess a photographer brought a bunch of clothes that didn't like really fit me, but she was very like adamant about me wearing them. And I just like, she didn't tell me, she didn't like prepare me for what I was going to be wearing. So I didn't have like the right thing to wear underneath them. And and I was just like, I guess communication, I guess Mm -hmm. that's what that stems from. Um, and I, I feel like I've most of the time been in a situation with someone who's great at communicating and um, I, I think I'm okay at it <laughs> most times. I mean, I am sort of like socially awkward, but whatever. Um, but I guess, yeah, like being honest about your goal, I guess, Yeah. um, in the situation. And I know like a lot of, um, situations are different, like, um, whether you're collabing on, you know, model and photographer just making some cool content for Instagram or their book or something. Um, and it it could be different if it's like a paid shoot for a, a magazine or a a clothing brand or something. Um, so yeah, I think just communication and I think, I guess for myself, when I've worked with other people as a photographer, like I struggle with, I guess, saying what I want to see in front of the camera. Like, I don't know how to voice that sometimes Mm -hmm. because I'm so used to just taking photos of myself. Um, I don't know how to like communicate. So I guess to turn your question into what could I, as a photographer work on, Mm -hmm. maybe that other people need to work on that too. Like, yeah, I guess communication Um, but I, I've really been, I've never been in like a horrible situation where I like was uncomfortable and, you know, like I've always, I've worked with great people. So. Well, that's always a good tip is to work with great people. It's, um, it it never (laughs) hurts. Right. You've mentioned there about kind of learning a little bit more about, you know, your side of things from being behind the camera. Do you have Mm long-term plans to be involved in photography in a, in a more, um, in, in a bigger way moving forwards. Yeah, I think I just want to see what it develops into. Um, I'm That's a good keep... pun. That's a very good pun. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, I didn't even try. Oh, I'm so funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I just, I've been trying to keep pushing myself to work with people and photograph other people um, because I want to be able to make what I make for myself, like the environment I put myself in, I want other people to be able to experience that and to be their true self in front of a camera. And I never want to put like pressure on someone and I don't want them to feel like uncomfortable in front of the camera, but obviously I'm still working on creating that dynamic. 
um, just because I have only done it like four times, you know, so, or something like that. Um, so yeah, I think personally, I'm going to keep pushing myself to do that. Um, and really like making people feel just happy about themselves and to be themselves, um, in front of the camera, because that's what I think makes the most meaningful stuff. Well, you mentioned earlier about, you know, potentially producing things on the shoot with a view to like social media and, and obviously being in front of a camera, the, the end goal generally would be for people to see those images. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds like a really pointless thing to say, but I'm kind of dancing towards something here a little bit. Something that's been a, a bit of a running theme for, for me personally and mm-hmm. the running theme for me with the podcast and in a lot of conversations I have outside of the podcast with people that work in photography is sort of I genuinely I'm coming to the, the conclusion that social media is, is becoming quite damaging in a lot of ways for the way that it's being used by people. I think there's a lot of dishonesty from person to person, from brands to people mm-hmm. and so on. I think there's a, there's a lot of issues that I think down the line, we're going to see problems with younger people being affected by so much information and so much validation being in front of them 24-7. I, I do see a, a, an issue there. Mm-hmm. For yourself and and as someone that's been a photographer, been a, been a model, been a dancer and so on, in terms of your, your let's say your modeling, let's stick with modeling for one. What's a measure mm-hmm. of success for you? What, do, what, would, what would make you feel like, say in five years, you know, that you've, you've achieved what you wanted to achieve? Is it, is it a matter of working with particular people? Is it producing a, a body of work, say like a book or something like that? What, what would count as a measure of, su- of success for you? I mean, honestly, like the most happy I've been is when someone tells me that my photo made them feel something like the way I look in a photo makes them feel something or makes them think. Um, I I mean, I have no plans to like make a book or do anything like, I guess, concrete just because I am so new in this space. Um, but I, I just really like, I want people to feel something because that's, I, I like most of the time in photos, like I am feeling a certain way. Like I try to be really authentic with my emotions and how I'm feeling every day. Um, yeah, I think because social media is so just about numbers and people liking things and looking a certain way, like I want my Instagram to be like just something that I'm proud of making and just trying to be like me authentically. Like that's the most valuable thing in my opinion, just because social media doesn't lean that way most of the time. Um, you know, people see, and I think, I think the effects have already been seen in people growing up seeing influencers on social media who, you know, edit their bodies and wear all these like things to make them look a certain way. And I just think that has no value to me. (laughs) So I, 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 yeah, my goal would be just to, to be myself and for people to recognize that. Well, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with uh, quite a few different male photographers over the years. Um, and it's, it's, it comes up a lot without prompting surprisingly, which is mm-hmm. essentially a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of male photographers will say that their, their, their 
their partner, their wife, their girlfriend, fiance, um, whatever, is significantly more naturally talented at taking photos than they are, despite the hours that they've put in, um, you know, studying uh, probably most of it, arguing with people online, because that seems to be the way that most things are done now. But, mm. you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. amount of time they've put in watching videos on how to do things, learning techniques, learning editing, you know, doing shoots and so on, that um, I can think of five off the top of my head that have been on the podcast that have said to me, um, that their wife can just pick up a camera and instantly take a better picture than they could without really putting any thought into it. And I, I just wonder if you think there's any particular reason that there there could be this perceived idea that female photographers are almost like naturally gifted with photographing, especially when it comes to people. Hmm. You know, I think, I really think people just have a gift for it. I think people, you just have to have an eye and. I mean, that's, I guess, what a few people have told me, like Carl has definitely told me, like, you just have like an eye, you know, what looks good in a photo. Uh Um, So I I don't know if it's like a male, female thing, like that's (laughs) years of study to be sure about that. But I don't know. I think also being the spouse, like if you're the spouse of someone who is a photographer, you're surrounded by that world. And obviously you're interested in it to a certain extent because how could you be married to someone who that's their whole life? And then you just like, don't know anything about it or don't have any interest in it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think d- maybe just like being around it and, um, having an eye for it is, is definitely has some value. Um, I also know, I guess for me personally, like, because it's not my job, I really enjoy doing it. And I think maybe that's why I do get good photos sometimes is because I'm not doing it for anything. Right. Um, I'm just kind of like a lack of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, I do love my job doing ballet, but there is some sort of pressure and I do feel anxious sometimes and, you know, or I don't want to go into work or I don't want to do certain things. Um, but with photography, I never feel like that. And I guess maybe the lack of pressure does help create good things sometimes. So that could be part of it. Well, something I've seen for sure with, um, I mean, I'm not saying I've done years of study or anything like that, but just sort of a running pattern that I see through conversation is that, mm-hmm. that you do tend to see a difference in um, satisfaction or feeling accomplished or feeling like that, that you've had some progress in your work um it tends to change quite massively between people that focus on the process and people that focus on the result and i think that a big part of certain types of people's um personality is is to be so focused on the process enjoying taking the shots enjoying the editing Mm -hmm. being focused on the technical side of things the gear and so on and that quite often a lot of that stuff is is superfluous and it's just a distraction from that kind of emotional side of things, which is more results-based. And I think maybe that might be a situation where people that are so caught up in cameras and they're so caught up in technicalities and, you know, film stocks or lenses or sensors or megapixels or anything like that, they get so caught up in it that they're just Mm -hmm. kind of filling their head with unnecessary information and distracting themselves from having you know, an idea of what they want the result to be. And then the result gets away from them and therefore they're never satisfied because the process is a very finite thing. And when it's over, 
it's almost, I don't want to be crass here, but it's almost like heroin or, or some other recreational right. drug where when you're taking it, it's mm-hmm. great, but the down is, is going to hurt you and it's going to hurt you more every, every single right. time. For you as, as, a, as a photographer and as a model, let's say, do you prefer the process or the result? That's a hard question because uh, I guess as an example, when I take self-portraits, it's normally I'm in my house and I'm bored and I have nothing else to do. So I'm going to take photos because I feel depressed or I feel not, not depressed. I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm depressed, but <laughs> I, I just want to like let out some emotion of some sort, or I have some idea that I want to do, or the most annoying one is I put on a cute outfit. So I want to take a picture of it. Um, so in that way, like I do love the process and I don't have like a very specific process. So I guess I'm not, um, really obsessed in that way. I will admit that I do look on eBay for new cameras all the time. I do. I love looking at that kind of thing, but I guess it's not super important to me. Um, and I mean, obviously most film photographers favorite moments are when they get their scans back from the lab or when, you know, they're done drying after developing and they can scan them and see what they look like. And I, I like, it's almost like a high in that moment of like, when you get your photos back, cause you can see like what you made. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I do like the finished result, but I also enjoy the process at the same time. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a hard question. Well, I mean, after asking a question where I basically shit on people that are too focused <laughs> on the on the process, I guess now now to ask a question that completely shits on myself here a little bit. But um, you photograph with people that shoot film, such as Carl and I don't know the gentleman's name, but the fellow that shoots the Hasselblad ballet stuff. Oh yes, his, David. His, yeah, his work's fantastic. So big shout out to David. Uh huh. You've worked with digital photographers. Uh, in terms of how, how the process is different and which do you prefer, digital versus film? Um, hmm, I guess I've gotten good pictures on both. So I don't really, I don't know. Just right now it happens that I'm in the film world. Um, and me personally, I like shooting film more. Um, maybe that's just the annoying hipster side of me though. Um, <laughs> I guess... I guess I've gotten like great results from both. Um, I recently shot with um, Pratique. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but you know, he shoots all digital and I was blown away by the results that I got with him. Um, We did a really cool like gold leaf um, idea. And I, for that, I like drew up where I wanted the gold leaf to be painted on my body. And he had an artist come in and paint like glue this gold leaf to me. And, you know, I think it looked insane. So I was happy with that. Um, and if the photos were on film, I feel like it maybe wouldn't have worked because it just, because of the lighting he was using. And I don't know a lot about lighting, so who knows, but, um, yeah, I think I've had great results from both. So. And in terms of the actual work, the, the, the process itself, is there much difference? And I suppose more speaking towards the dance side of things, because obviously digital, you can kind of just shoot through a sequence um, with multiple mm. shots. Whereas with film, I mean, you can do that, but that's a really expensive way to do it. 
Yeah. Is it, is it, is, say, say you're going in to do something that's dance based and you know that you're going to be shooting on film. Are you kind of going in thinking this is going to take a while for us to get? And, you know, we might not even get what it is that we're going for because film is right. is such a harder thing to check. You can't check it at the time and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, I think film is just a slower process. So if I were doing a dance shoot on film, I would know that I have to do poses where one, I know I'm not going to have to like look at it and fix it after. Like, I'm just going to have to be happy with what happens in that moment. Um, I also would think about doing poses that I'm not moving there where I'm just kind of staying still and I can stay in that position and not look like I'm struggling or something. Um, so it would be a completely different approach. Um, recently in December, I just worked with, um, ballerina project, um, which is, uh, this guy who's been photographing ballerinas, his name's Dane. He's been photographing ballerinas for over 20 years. Um, and he obviously started the project on film and he, he photographed ballerinas on film for a really long time and did an amazing job doing it. Um, and his photos really meant something and he was able to capture really incredible things that I, I had no idea they were even on film because I, at the time I didn't know what, or when I first found his work, I didn't know really the difference in the look of the photos. So I knew he took good photos. And then when I worked with him in December, I, you know, we talked a lot cause we stayed together in Hawaii for a week and we talked the whole week about his whole process and how he, you know, figured out how to shoot ballerinas on film. Um, it was really interesting. So it is possible. It's definitely possible. Um, but it's definitely a slower process and you have to go about it a lot differently than you would with digital. Well, we're going to, we're going to move towards finishing here. You've, I've taken up far too much of your time already, but <laughs> I do, I mean, I've, I feel like I've already thrown in one horrible question. I did have to apologize for at the beginning, but I, I'm going to go for one more if that's, uh, I say oh, if yeah, that's okay with you, it. but I'm going to do it either way. Of so. course. <laughs> in the position of being a model, someone that's been photographed, someone that's, you know, photographed themselves and so on, there's, there's a lot of um, ethics debates and a lot of social interest in uh, photography, retouching, modeling, you know, what effect it has on self-esteem, what effect it has on the people that sort of view the images, what effect it has on the people that are being photographed and so on and so forth. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, sort of personal dynamics around, um, the societal effects of, um, modeling. And I know that we've, I think we have definitely turned Mm -hmm. a corner in the sense of being more inclusive and, and certainly looking at different body types and, um, looking at, you know, people from different backgrounds and so on, which is, which I'm not really ever sure I could begin to understand why you wouldn't want to, but there you go. Um, it's, it does seem bizarre to me that at some point in, in previous society, someone was like, yeah, we need to limit the number of pretty people that we photograph. Like we need to make sure that <laughs> that seems to be like a bizarre setup to me, but you know, you know, power to the people that came up with it. They obviously knew what they were talking about because it's fallen completely to pieces. Would you say from the position that you're in now that you would recommend modeling to say, you know, a teenage girl or a young girl that's thinking about getting into it, given obviously the enjoyment that you get from doing it, but also the impact it can have on your self-esteem? Obviously this is a hard question because you already said it was a hard question, but (laughs) I, I mean, if it's something you love doing and you're good at it, like why not make it your job? 
personally, I probably will never make it my actual job and I might eat my words eventually, but I, I don't know. I, I, I think because it's something I really enjoy, I don't want to lose the enjoyment. And I know if I made it my job, I probably would lose the enjoyment. Um, just in a similar way to my relationship with ballet now, like, of course I have loved ballet my whole life and have grown up doing that, but now it is my job. And while I do still enjoy it, I require something outside of that to satisfy me creatively and emotionally sometimes. Um, because at the end of the day, doing ballet is my job and I'm meant to do what I'm told to do by the people who are my boss <laughs> or my bosses, I, you know? Um, so I think just anyone who wants to get into modeling, like really think about that. Like if it's something you enjoy doing and you want to make it your job, go for it, but know that it is really hard to make something that you love your job. Um, and it might change your relationship with it. Um, I think obviously the modeling world is not the most inclusive place, but it is getting better. And if you can be a voice for your people, like, of course you should do it. And you should feel empowered to do that and be in the space, in the modeling space. Um, cause it's, it's important. Okay. So last question. And I, why not? Let's do another, <laughs> let's do another horrible one. You're, you're going to earn money from either and it's going to be the same amount. The financial side of it doesn't change, but okay. if you pick one, you can't do the other ballet versus modeling. Oh Lord. <laughs> I don't know because, because I, I'm not like ready to give up ballet, you know, like just think like if I'd even just think for a second, like, Oh my God, I'm never going to do ballet again. Like, obviously I would get really upset. But just because I've found such like comfort in self-portraiture and in modeling, like that would be hard to give that up either. Oh, I don't know. It's a good podcast if I've made you feel pain by the end of it, I think. Well, I don't feel pain. I'm just conflicted (laughs) because I, I love both and it just is different. I guess financially, if nothing changed, like... I, uh, I guess I would maybe give up ballet because I could do ballet in modeling. Like I could cheat a little bit. (laughs) I mean, I guess I could cheat the other way around too, but. You're finding a loophole now. No, I'm just, I'm trying to find a loophole because there's no way I could pick. Because if I, you know, gave up modeling, obviously there's plenty of opportunities in dance and ballet for me to create. It just would be in a different way. Um, so yeah, thanks for throwing me a, a, a good one there, Chris, but, um, they're both, um, really important to me. So yeah, I didn't answer your question. No, I, I'm letting you get away with it. I'm being good. I'm segueing. <laughs> so the most important part of the podcast is, is that I'm helping people find new creatives, new people in different areas of, of the photographic industry and, and, and people that have different contributions to make towards it. That means I have to tell people where they can go to find you, what you do, your self-portraits, the images that have been taken by other photographers and so on. So where's the best place for people to reach you? 
Yeah. Um, my Instagram is at Mackinsova. And I have a little photography Instagram that I post on sometimes. It's called Portrait Sova. Um, that's more of just the overflow, though, and the photos I take of other people. But yeah, if you want to see my my self-portrait normal stuff at Mackinsova on Instagram and I don't have any any other social media. So yeah. Well, I know you were terrified coming in, but it's been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome. Oh, 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 o